to the place where we can, this morning, see ourselves differently. Are you ready for it? Okay, are you awake? Did you have your coffee? Okay, Laura, you are, you are sorted. <laughs> yeah, just at a time such as this where, you know, our nation really needs prayer, it really needs um, the swords to be sharpened, I want to ask you to this week really pray. It's a pivotal time. Election time is a pivotal time of the history of any nation, okay? Um, because it's a time of decision-making, and it's a time where God can actually... Uh, bring about a change. Okay, so I'm not saying that, you know, you should vote anything other than the political party that is in government now. I'm just saying that God can bring change even in the existing government uh, to fulfill His purposes. And we must pray for, for God to do uh, something in our nation because clearly we're not getting it right at this stage. <laughs> clearly. Okay, so just listening to all of the debates, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that we have the answers. So, um, so it's, you know, I spoke to Yinka of the turning this week, and, and he's really a general in the armies of, of God here in the nation. And, um, you know, he said, um, you know, we must trust God for, for change in our city or our nation. And the only way to do it is to disciple this nation, to, uh, to start to get people saved and to disciple them where they can be, bring transformation. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited about that. I think, you know, God really wants to do something special. But we as His children at this time must start to pray it into being, proclaiming it. Okay, and I want you to, to uh, listen to me this morning because next year's Planted is going to be about proclaiming. Okay, and it's not just about the gospel. It's about proclaiming God's purposes into being. Um, and I'm trusting God that this year we'll get it right to confidently walk out and proclaim what God has um, in store for us. And that means no negative speaking. Are you with me? Okay. No negative speaking. We speak the hope of God. We proclaim God's future, God's promises into being. Um, and, um, and so I'm, I'm very positive about that. Revelations 19 verse 9 to 10 says, And the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, and he said to me, these are the true words of God. And I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of of prophecy. Okay, and I want to talk about that this morning. What does it mean to be a prophetic church? What does it mean to prophesy and to see the prophetic, prophetic coming to fruition? What, what does it mean when we start to really proclaim and speak the, the oracles of God? Okay, so let's start with what is a testimony. And um, we know that the test, it says here that the testimony of, of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And, and Joel 2.28 speaks about the fact that God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. In the latter days, we're going to see greater things happening even than in the former days, which means that in the time that we are living now, God wants to manifest Himself to mankind, and He's doing it through His sons and daughters. And we are beings glorifying the King of Kings, which means that we are proclaiming His goodness, His promises into being. So my question to you this morning is, are we doing that? Wherever we go in our workplace, and we spoke about it last week about speaking, but I want to say to you, that's speaking out of wholeness, out of the place where we, we see things changing in our heart to, to, to be able to speak the promises. 
comes to a place where we confidently start to speak the oracles of God into being. And so, so the testimony of Jesus is the one of prophecy, which means that Jesus himself fulfilled so many prophecies. And, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But before I get there, um, his whole life is about revealing God's plan to humanity. So Jesus came to earth to proclaim and to, to portray the will of God to the people around him. Okay, and we becoming like Christ means that we are doing the same to people around us in our workplace and wherever we go. So 1 Peter 1 verse 19 to 20 says, He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him for, he, for this purpose. Listen to this. God chose Him for this purpose long before the world began. But now in these final days... He was sent to the earth for all to see. And he did this for you. Okay. So, God gave us a road map of how we should go about in doing his business here on earth. And that road map um, is also the foretelling of signs and wonders through his prophets in the, in the time. A place where um, God's people could actually have an understanding of when Jesus came what the Messiah would look like, so that they will be prepared for that. So, we know that prophecies went out in the Old Testament in 450 BC and, and before, so hundreds of years, literally. Um, many prophecies went out on Jesus and His life and how it will look like so that they would recognize it when it comes. Now, I, I don't know how people can not recognize this man called Jesus and uh, him being the Messiah, if you, if you look at even the stats, because Jesus in his lifetime fulfilled more than 300 prophecies. And I just want to remind you about that. I know that you are very clever and I don't want to underestimate your IQ here. But one thing that I can tell you is that with 300 prophecies being fulfilled, that means that statistically we have quite a accurate um, um, representation of the truth here because if we just go by numbers, if one person would fulfill eight prophecies in his lifetime, which means that people foretold, and, and I want to remind you that these prophecies that we are talking about was written in the Old Testament at least 450 before Christ, hundreds of years before Christ came. And so... Within that, it means that these prophecies, the likelihood of these prophecies coming to fulfillment is for a person living on this earth to see eight prophecies that other people before his generation spoke into being, to see that coming to fruition means that, and I cannot even pronounce that uh, 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 amount there. Maybe um, somebody like... Uh, <laughs> Juan, <laughs> um, but it's um, it's more than a hundred million. That's one zero 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 zero, which means that um, you know it's uncountable for one person to fulfill eight prophecies in his lifetime. Okay, for. 48 prophecies to be fulfilled by one person is one in the chance in 10 to the 
157th power. Okay, are you with me? Okay, so, so guys, one um, person and it's 10th to the power of 157, which means that this is a lot. Okay, I want to take you to the further one then. So for one person to go to 300 plus prophecies, it is uncountable. <laughs> Only Jesus could do this. There's no ways that a man can come to this earth and fulfill so many prophecies that were spoken in, you know, in, in such a formal way, on paper, um, and, uh, and being um, used in the Word of God to, um, to come to fruition. But Jesus did it. And so what I want to say to you is living a prophetic lifestyle means that God already prepared the future by dealing with the past. Okay. Are you awake with me this morning? So in you and I, in our lifestyles, in our, in our lifetime even, we must recognize that God already prepared for a day such as this in our lives. God already had these promises coming to fruition and He prepared the way for us to fulfill His promise in our lives at a time such as this. So a prophetic lifestyle is one to recognize what God is busy doing and to start to live by it and to proclaim it. Okay. Um, and so the detail in these prophecies uh, marks the Bible to be the inspired Word of God. Uh, but I think all of you agree with me that, it, um, that it's only God that can foreknow such knowledge. There's no man that could actually orchestrate such a work. Uh, so what is prophecy then? Prophecy is the proclamation of the will of God, both present and in the future. Uh, and we know that in the Bible, God used these prophets to, um, to uh, foretell um, the works of God and, um, and to be God's spokesman okay, to the people. Now we know that priests represent the people to God and prophets, God to the people. Are you with me this morning? So, in the prophetic, it means that God speaks to His prophets, and the prophets reveal His heart's content to the people, so that people can understand the love and the acceptance that He wants to bring. Now, biblical prophecy tells us the future and gives us strength and steadiness and confidence in the midst of troubling circumstances. And help us to rest in the knowledge of a life and history's happy ending. Okay. That's why we have prophecy in the church, in the, in the body of Christ. Now, I want to say to you, that does not mean that, you know, prophecies make us even uh, change our lifestyle or change anything except the fact that we know that when prophecies are spoken into our lives, it gives us the peace and the confidence that when it comes to fruition, that we have the confidence that we are walking in the will of God. Are you with me today? Because we cannot do anything about even the prophecies being fulfilled in our lives, except to be obedient step by step to what God wants us to do. But one thing that I do know is when I walk into the promises of God, I can confidently 
and with the strength of God, walk into my circumstances and know that God is in it. Are you with me this morning? And so, so that brings us um, to a place of hope to, um, to endure. And uh, somebody once said about the Bible, I read the last chapter and we win. And uh, for me, that is the kind of hope that um, you know, the gospel brings to our lives and the promises of God brings in our lives. The hope that we proclaim. So I want to again get back to you and say, wherever you go, you must know the oracles of God. You must know the promises of God because you are a living vessel of honor to His kingdom. Which means that you are bringing hope in all circumstances. So at times such as this, where we are in a nation desperately in need of change and transformation, and don't say that you can't do anything. Because you are a living prophecy to the people around you. For this church, I can promise you, there is a reason for its existence and God wants to use it to the fulfillment of His promise. And we must enter into such promise and start to proclaim it. Um, so, how did prophecy work in the Bible? We know that uh, f the physical, um, even uh, a manifestation to, to certain people, like Moses, we got face-to-face -face communicated to him. Um, and um, and sp uh, gave him visions like the burning bush where God said to him, go to Pharaoh and, and, and go and do, um, uh, and set my people free. Uh, we know about the visions of Daniel and so many others that um, was not asleep even. They, uh, they actually received these visions um, as they were awake and God clearly showed them uh, the future. We know metaphorical seeing um, that of, of John, for instance, we saw creatures and all kinds of metaphorical things that does not even exist in, in the natural that we know here, but it's symbolic to whatever God is going to do in the future. And then supernatural insight. Know that this is the right thing uh, when you are in the circumstances and that the Holy Spirit is leading you. And so... We know that um, Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 22, I quickly want to uh, read to you, that God gave prophets to His people in a time when they could go to other mediums even to, uh, to receive insight. And we know Saul made a big mistake in doing so, if some of you would um, recall. So Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 22 when you come into the land that the Lord God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abomination practices um, of these nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or sorcerer. Okay, there's, there's lots of them being mentioned here. Divination tells fortunes, interprets omens, sorcerers, or charmer or medium, uh, a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to God. Ooh. So I just want to say to you this morning, um, you know, if you've been involved with things like this, it's time to repent. It's time to put this thing, these things um, behind you um, but because it's not pleasing God. 
So we are very um, relaxed about these things these days because culture dictates that we can easily go to horoscopes and all kinds of mediums to predict the future and to see what God has in store for us, um, you know, and what's happening in the spiritual realm. And I want to say stop these things because this is not of God. There's only one prophecy that happens in our lives, and that is God speaking to His people. God has a desire to... And maybe I should just say that this morning. God is not hiding away from us and trying to be mean and, um, and you know, hiding in such a way that, um, you know, we must seek after Him. These days, you know, we, we, we get these books where you must almost you know, get a code right in order to listen to, to God or to get to, uh, to, to hear God's voice. And that's not the God that I'm serving. God has a desire. His whole countenance is toward us. His whole desire is to make Himself known to us. That's why, you know, through even Adam and Eve, we've seen that God's desire is the best thing of, of, of what happened every day was for God to commune with Adam and Eve, to spend time with them. So, so don't believe the lie that you know, God is so far off and it's so difficult to get to Him that it is almost impossible. God has a desire to reveal Himself to you. God has a desire for you to every moment of the day get to know Him better. Um, he actually makes it for us, encourage us to come closer, to, um, to get to know His heart more. And listen to this. You shall be blameless before the Lord, your God, um, for these nations. Oh, maybe I should just go one verse back. And because of these abominations, the Lord, your God, is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and, um, and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Okay. The Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God to, um, at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me no, not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see the great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in uh, what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like you for among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command them. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, the same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has spoken? How do we know that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, uh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need to be afraid of him. So as a counterpart um, to the continuous 
um, ministry or, or input into Israel, um, God, as a, 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 a counterpart to the soothsayers and, um, and to the diviners, you know, it was so important that God actually allowed his prophets to speak at a time where they could, um, could speak the word of God over the nation of Israel. So God gave them um, prophets. And um, so my, my question to you today is, where does that bring us today in our circumstances in being a prophetic people? And uh, in the New Testament, we see that it happened in the church as well. It's a continuous process of the prophetic being released in God's body. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Not I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So Paul is saying, listen, I wish that all of you prophesy. So my... Um, my encouragement to you this morning is to come to a place of, of, of requiring from God. To grow in, in the way in which you can hear from God and be a blessing to other people around you. Because it's within you. Because you are the revelation of God to the people around you. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says, Build on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the great mysteries in the New Testament that was revealed to the apostles was through prophecy. So many things happened in the New Testament church where even stuff like um, the inclusion of the Gentiles was revealed by or to Peter and to the rest of the apostles by prophecy, by, by visions and and. Um, God re revealing himself to them in, in visions in such a way that they could make decisions concerning the New Testament church and such a great thing to extend it beyond the Jews where people like Peter and, um, and some of the other apostles was actually opposing those who were uncircumcised not to come into the kingdom and to receive Christ. Because their understanding were limited to the culture that they were confined in. And yet, within that, the way in which God communicated to the body, the church, was to actually bring prophecy and to, to allow them to have answers on very deliberate and, and difficult questions. And, and so, today, we need to know that God is speaking to His church still, through prophecy. You know, it's, um, uh, it's living a life of portraying prophetically what God wants to speak to His people about. And uh, for us as a church, we are, um, you know, living by 
a name called Shofar, and that name is also uh, 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 representing the ram's horn, the one that proclaims in due seasons the word of um, the Lord, which means that you are, even in a church, that is prophetically aligned to what God wants to say to this nation. There's a, there's a prophetic um, mandate that God has given us to actually hear His voice and to proclaim that. Not to think of ourselves as not being even relevant or not being good enough or big enough. Or, but those who have the Word of God in their mouths, they must just start to speak it. They must start to proclaim it because in the heavenlies, God wants to do great things. And so, um, the first thing, and I want to just uh, 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 name five things, and, and I'll go quickly through them. Uh, the first one is reveal, prophecy reveal God's heart. Um, it's a place where we become so pa passion passionate and sensitive to explain God's heart to people that um, God awakens our passions to reveal his heart's desire to people in a better way. Uh, because God loves us. And I want to say to you, prophecy is because God loves us. Because God wants to communicate to people around us. Have you seen those words that you've spoken over people's lives? And you can just see how it ignites them. Last Sunday it was so beautiful, the word that um, went out in, in, um, in the morning service. And it was um, just, you know... The visitor came afterwards and said, listen, this transformed my life today. You don't know how accurate that was. It was, it was such a revelation that is driving me even now to, to be more committed and, and understanding of what Christ wants to do in my life. And I want to say to you, we are sometimes so hesitant because the enemy makes us to believe that we are so small. That we are so insignificant. That you are just one of the numbers walking the streets of London every day. And it's not because of who you are. It's because of God's love to the people around you. His heart's desire is of such that he wants to reveal his heart to you so that you can ignite people's hearts around you. Um, and... Um, and God's desire is, is to, um, to make known to us His love. We must feel what lo God loves. Hate what God hates. Love what God loves. And this is not about more information. It's not about what you even proclaim. It's about a lifestyle of being. Because God has given me the revelation of who He is and what He wants to, to do in and around my life, I can just be a representation of God. And, um, and so Jesus would walk in the times that He lived, and uh, we know Luke 5.30, for instance, where they criticized Him and said, Listen, how can you spend time with the tax collectors? How can you spend time with the sinners? Because Jesus, you know, you must be a false prophet if you uh, mingle with such people. And yet that is many times where we are as Christians. We are so afraid of the reputation and even, you know, intimidated by 
you know, the who's who of society, that we forget that Christ went to the houses of those who were marginalized, who were weak, and did not have great power even in society. And his desire, his heartbeat was to, to portray the heart of the Father. His heartbeat was to proclaim the goodness of God to people around him. Maybe I should just mention this this morning. You know that the tax collectors were not just seen as outcasts in society, in um, the Jewish culture. They were the people that bid for um, a certain geographical area um, and um, the Roman Empire would give to the highest bidder, tax collector, um, that area to govern and he could ask whatever taxes he wanted to ask in that geographical area as long as he could enforce it and pay to the Roman Empire that, would, that which was due to them. So, so it was not just about the oppression of the Roman Empire, but it was also about the fact that these people, these tax collectors, were, were the outcast because they took advantage of every part of the life source of the Jewish nation. So it was not as if you know, they were, 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 were enforcing you know, the, the Roman Empire and the hold of, of, and the strength of the Roman Empire only. It was also... They were seen as outcasts in society because they took so much from the living standard of every normal Jew in Israel at the time. And yet, Jesus was spending time with these people because he wanted to portray the love and the heartbeat of God to them. And that's why Zacchaeus would, would um, sit in a tree and, 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 and inquire from the master. Why Jesus would go into his house and say, but listen, Zacchaeus, can we have a conversation about all your riches and how you're going to actually give that to the poor? Because wherever Jesus goes, he brings restoration. He's a prophetic mandate himself. Whatever Jesus does is a prophetic statement to people around him. And so I want to say to you, you know, when we, we live life, when you are in your workplace, at your house, living with housemates, uh, at, you know, the place where you study, wh wh wherever you go, you are a living representation of a prophetic mandate that God is fulfilling through your life. It's not about what you say. Sometimes we think... You know, that being prophetic is just in what you say and speaking prophetic words and speaking on a Sunday. Being prophetic means that you and I understand the heartbeat of God and we live it. We do action. <laughs> we fight for it. We make sure that when I'm in the workplace, things don't stay the same. Because being prophetic means that I can see what God is seeing and I change things to become like God wants to, to have it done. In God's timing, yes, you cannot enforce anything on anyone around you. But one thing that you can do is, being the light of this world, to trust God for the breakthrough to happen. Not through forceful action, but through prayer and supplication until God gives you the answer and the breakthrough. And, the, and when those testimonies coming into fruition that He's um, told you, you will know it and you will be confident and you will know that in your workplace you will actually... Be that vessel of honor that God has called you to. But how much did you pray for your workplace the last month? 
When last did you pray for your boss and trusting him to be a prophetic vessel in his life? When last did you pray for this country and this nation in a time of despair to see the light? And I'm asking myself that question because I don't do it often enough. I was sitting, you know, on Saturday morning for hours just watching the debate that happened on Friday night, you know, just to be with it, you know, um, try to, uh, to understand British politics, but I still don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know of anyone at this stage. Not even the, the leaders of the, of the parties know where they are heading. But what I can tell you is, being a prophetic statement to this nation means that you and I must inquire of God what is our role at a time such as this. Not just a voting role, but starting in the small community that you're in. Margaret and Ian spending time in their street party last night. Are you still awake? <laughs> you know, to be the vessel of honor there and a prophetic statement to the people around you. Are you with me? Okay. Just wave. I'm with you, Pastor. I'm getting these messages that Sunday after Sunday you are bringing us, and we're going to snap into it. We're going to uh, get it. <laughs> Guys, it's, 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 it's one thing to say that God wants us to be prophetic. It's another thing to start to live it. Because you know what? All that I, yeah, and I'm not saying this church, I know you guys are again the perfect church, so please don't take it from... Um, I'm saying, in Christian circles, I so often just hear despair and suffering and worrying. And, you know, and there's nobody just speaking up and saying, like Margaret said now, you know, um, at Grenfell, one small church that's standing up and saying, listen, we will go to, to the mall. We will go and do some carols because that's prophetic statements to our town. Even though it's the most dead you know, more in the whole town. This thing is going to come to be the light of this town when we proclaim the kingdom of God here. Yeah. Margot, speak those things over that um, uh, 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 mall. Because what I can tell you, wherever God releases us to move, to be, we are a representation of God. And we often forget that. We live these lives where we think, if I can only survive my week... If I can only survive whatever I'm doing, it's time to proclaim. It's time to be a prophetic vessel of what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And so, so often I hear, you know, where we um, get hopeless and hopeless thoughts, you know, overwhelm us. And I'm telling you, it's easy to get in a hopeless situation. Go into any church in the UK today and I'll tell you, hopelessness will rule over it. You walk in that place and you think, is there one person that will just stand up and worship God in a decent way? And all that I'm saying to you is, God's desire is to reach this nation. God's desire is to kneel down into the city and show His loving heart to the nations. That's His purpose for each one of us as we go into our workplace, into our family life, into all circumstances. Proclaim the love of God. The heartbeat of God. 
I'm telling you, God is going to, in these last days, raise the church to become the church again. The place and the vessel of hope. It's not at this stage. There's really a voice of the kingdom happening at this stage. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, I'm so blessed by the life-giving churches that, um, that is operating at this, at this stage. But I'm praying that this nation will make its decisions concerning the future on what God wants to do. And so, for, um, for us, the second thing is um, you are a fulfillment of prophecy. Listen to Romans 8 verse 20. Do one of you have a Bible there? Oh, well, I can just use my phone. Um, this morning this word went out and I want you to quickly um, go with me. Romans 8 verse 20. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This nation is waiting for the sons of and daughters of God to reveal the glory of God again. It's waiting for it. It's waiting for the hope. It's not even as if we, you know, must enforce it on them. Or it's, it's groaning for the hope of God. It's groaning for, um, for the promises of God to, uh, to be fulfilled. God already planned yesterday to fulfill what's happening today. My children, even in my house, I can tell you, are receiving the blessings of whatever God blesses us with. Even the dog in anyone's house receives the blessing of God's blessings when God manifests himself to the household. Because there will be at least good food on its plate. <laughs> and I want to say to you, when God blesses us as his children, he can man manifest that to anyone around us and that is his heart's desire as he wants to bless you he wants to reveal himself to you he wants to be the solution um, to your lifestyle because he can actually manifest himself through you thirdly availability of the word of god we must treasure the word because uh, we can identify with the saints of god in the word and uh, we can continue with what god um, has started through the word. God's word in my mouth is as powerful as God speaking it himself. Reading the word now makes room for confirmation later. When we start to proclaim the word, and I want you to, to go home and start to actually repeat scriptures that God is giving you in this season and read them aloud over your circumstances. Read them over your family. Read them over your workplace. Until you start to believe them yourselves. 
Because in speaking them, God can bring it to fruition. Number four, God is still moving. So in the Old Testament, the cloud was moving and wherever the cloud moved, or wherever the people of God moved, the cloud would go before them or lead them to, uh, to a place where they could um, go to the promised land. And in doing so, they were covered. They were experiencing the revelation and leading from God. Today, God wants us um, as a revelationary co community to always be led by Him. To come to a place where we can um, hear Him more and better. And the understanding of, of that He's still today manifesting Himself to us. So, don't expect to hear God's plans for the future if you can't hear God's plans for now. And um, you might not understand what God is uh, doing now, but later on, the puzzle piece will come together. It's like these movies these days. You know, it's, it looks like the movie starts with chaos because you try to figure out who fits into what piece of and character within the movie. And uh, my wife normally sits next to me, and then she would um, ask me, so what's going on, what's going on? Just tell me what's going on. I said, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's, being, it's being happening here. You must now focus, because if you don't, you're not going to understand the ending. <laughs> are, are you with me? Are some of you also experiencing that? So I say to her, yes, the, the greatest puzzle piece of this movie is actually the fact that it does not fit together in the beginning <laughs> and that at the end all the puzzle pieces come together and you say oh now I understand what they uh, did from the beginning oh, are you with me <laughs> and so in, in God's prophetic mandate that he's releasing to his church we, we don't in the immediate circumstances always know how to make sense of the different puzzle pieces and my part in it and the greatest confusion is to, to know that God, listen, I, I don't even understand what I should do. And yet, being prophetic means that you and I surrender to what He's doing at the time and allow Him to, to do it one step at a time. Move, take charge, lead. Um, don't expect new truth. Truth, it's always there. But truth builds on truth. Okay, I want to say this. Don't expect new truths because God has revealed Himself through the Word already. Reading the Word and understanding the, you know, His ways and His Word already gave us the full truth. But truth builds upon truth in our capacity and understanding of what He's saying through our circumstances and lives. And so, your role um, is just to to determine where to, where to start and where do you start? Where do you start in being a prophetic person in a prophetic time and a prophetic understanding of what God is doing? Okay. Are you with me? Where do you start in being prophetic? Being prophetic brings us to the understanding that we can only do with what is on our plates right now. And until you can find the contentment within the season that you're in now, you will never become a prophetic person or a prophetic church.
And that place of surrender is a place where you say, God, I know that I cannot change the city of London right now. But what I can do is I can start to pray. I can start to ask you for revelation. And the next revelation will build upon the next revelation until you fulfill every promise that you've fulfilled. And, and, and my part is just a part, but God, I'm going to be faithful in that. I can do something. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you can either wait for the rest of your life to be prophetic and to do what God wants you to do, or you can start to do whatever you can do now and be faithful and obedient to God's promises in your life right now. And, um, and God knows about your limitations. He knows about the way in which you, um, you know, find it difficult to, to make sense even of your circumstances. But one thing that He knows is that He wants to reveal Himself more to you in all circumstances. And it starts now. If you can't trust Him for now, you cannot trust Him for the future. But you'll have to do it one step at a, at a time. How do you evaluate the prophetic is true? Now, um, the first thing is you look at the intentions and motivation of a prophetic statement. And, and, and I want to just say that, um, you know, for us, um, it is so important that we always just um, do it in the prophetic, knowing that you're not the only prophet. Because this is one of the biggest downfalls of all the prophets in the Old Testament um, that it is such a natural tendency to think that you know the whole truth and the only truth. That when you become prophetic, you think that you're the only one that hears prophetic things from God. And you, be you become so proudful and, 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 um, and haughty about it that you forget that God is using more people. And this was um, the case in Elijah's um, circumstances, and I can tell you so many other prophets, thinking that they are the only ones that hear. And I want to say to you, in the context of the church, know that you can only bring a part of the revelation. We don't see in full. But you bring a part, and in doing that in accountability with other people, also expose your motivation in how you prophesy and you'll get better at it. Because in the beginning, other people will tell you, yes, that's your own desires. Stop prophesying in such a way. Because clearly this is just a word that is applicable to you and where God is at with you. And we grow into a place where our motivation becomes to, uh, to be encouraging to the people around us, to be a prophetic statement to people around us. So I want to encourage you with that in saying, all of us, must make sure to prophesy. That is, that is even the encouragement that Paul would bring to, um, to the church in Corinth. And yet he says, listen, all of us should pro prophesy. And sometimes we are so intimidated, we're so afraid that we will get it wrong and that we will die as the Old um, Testament prophets <laughs> that we, we don't become prophetic. We are not a prophetic statement because we're so afraid that I've, I've not heard right that we don't grow into the place where our motivation will become uh, pure before God. So you look at the intentions and motivation of the, the prophetic statement, and I just want to use an example um, 
You must think twice if somebody tells you that God said you must give them your money if you know that their intention is to get out of financial difficulty themselves. Are you with me? So, so when people prophesy, and when we talk about prophetic statements, just make sure you know, that, that the person's motivation and intention of why they are giving the, the prophecy. You know, I've been in many intercession meetings, even in, in, in prophetic, the prophet's coming together, and then I listen to what the prophet is saying, and I think, okay, I also know your circumstances. I also know what's going on here. I also know that you are actually busy you know, prophesying to the person just uh, opposite you because you are too afraid to say it in their face, so you uh, prophesy in, um, uh, uh, in, in prayer meetings. Are you with me? That happens in the church. But you know what? That's fine. We must just grow. Don't be afraid to prophesy because you might get it wrong. Because in the beginning, your motivation might be wrong. And by allowing other people and other prophetic people to speak into your life, because I can promise you the people that are flowing in the prophetic and, and, and are good at it at this stage, I can tell you they will easily say to you, okay, I think that's more out of the flesh than, than from God. Not because they want to be malicious, but just they've learned to differentiate. And we must allow ourselves to get under such scrutiny if we want to be a prophetic statement. Are you with me? Because some of us, and I'm deliberately using the word statement this morning, because, and not just a prophetic word, because a prophetic statement means also the obedient step that we are taking, and sometimes it's foolish. Sometimes we don't do what God wants. And we say that, it's, and, and when you listen to the motivation, you realize that this, is, that this has got nothing to do with God. This is actually you figuring it out in your own head about you know, what you're going to do next. <laughs> and it just makes sense. So don't say it's God that's speaking. And, and I'm, I'm not fighting with anyone here, but what I can tell you this morning is, guys, being prophetic means that you must grow, but you must take chances. There's a risk that you're taking to expose yourself to grow in maturity where older people with more discernment you know, in the prophetic will tell you, listen, yes, it's fine. Don't worry, you'll make mistakes in the beginning. But don't dare to not be prophetic and not be uh, obedient to God. Because if you want to grow in it, you must allow people to actually... And I've made many mistakes and still am making a lot of mistakes when it gets to the prophetic. Even in my actions. And then I repent and I say, God, yeah, clearly I miss you there. My motivation was this or this or this. Are you with me? But the prophetic means that we get to make ourselves vulnerable and open to insight into our lives by people that are growing in the prophetic with us. And so secondly, the continuity of the prophetic movement. Are they spot on every time around over a period of time and not just a fluke? So, so when we, we also know that you know, people are sharp in the prophetic is when they constantly get it right. Okay? And not Every time, because sometimes we do get it wrong. But you know what? It's important to, to recognize that some people just get it wrong all the time. And they must just allow themselves to grow in that area first. And, um, but that, again, does not um, bring us at a place where you should not. You must grow into it. 
And, um, and so continuity of the prophetic movement and patterns in, in, in seeing in people's lives, whenever they prophesy, does it come to fruition? And I also understand that you know, prophetic words are not just for now and for tomorrow and even for the week thereafter. It might be for years to come. So yes, we can't say that the person was wrong as well and judge them according to... That's why we need more than one person speaking into people's lives as well, you know, when it gets to the prophetic. Because in the wisdom and the counsel of many, we start to become more accurate. And when we, we flow in the Spirit, and that's why intercession is so precious for me when we start to move in the prophetic, when, when a few people actually put on the table the same words and they start to, to say the same thing and they, and they hear the same thing from God, you, you know this is a flow. This is, this is actually what God is saying now. Because it's not just one person being you know, excited about a thing because they had a hamburger last night and didn't sleep very well. And Are you with me? It's actually the counsel of many. There's many that God spoke to and, and that, that confirms what God is saying to His people because God's desire is to do collectively. God's desire is to, for you to be part of community and a part, part of His heartbeat. But being prophetic means that you expose yourself to that community and that you, you allow yourself to grow with that community. Um, to hear God's, God's word. To hear God's prophetic season. Um, thirdly, the content of the prophecy. It must stay within the boundaries of the word. I think all of you understand that. We can't go against the word of God. And prophecy is a gift of God, not given to enable us to predict the future, but to point us to Christ. And I can give you so many scriptures. I've, I've got them all here. You know, I clearly had too much time yesterday when the kids went to... Uh, um, to Benice, you know, to prepare for this sermon. But what I can tell you, there's so much that I want to, to, to have conversations about in the future. Because we easily say we want to be a prophetic church. But we'll have to grow in it. We must trust God to, to mold us, to, 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 to be a, a voice to this nation. And I'm promising you, this is what God wants us to be. He wants us to be, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay. Do you believe it? God wants us to be a prophetic word to this nation. But we must believe it. We must believe that whatever God says to us is, is of relevance as it is to every other church in this nation. I'm not saying that we are the only one. But we must be faithful in coming to God and saying, God, you've given us a tool. You've given us a gift. We want to be faithful in stewarding that gift to be a prophetic voice to this area and to be a prophetic statement to this area where whatever we do is so fine with what you are saying that this, this um, area starts to change and transform because of us being here. And I'm, I'm not saying we're the only ones. Please hear me out. I'm not saying that this morning. But I'm also not going to allow the devil to tell me that I can't Trust God to be the answer. Are you with me this morning? I get excited when I talk about these things because one thing that I know is we've not even imagined or seen things that God wants to do in our midst. 
the last days that we are moving in, the latter will become greater than the former. And I'm saying that because, guys, we're going to see awesome things happening from here onwards. The table is set, and I want to, early in next year, I want to do an informal um, evening um, gathering where we're going to uh, talk about the last days, the end times. Because we are so afraid as, as church to have conversations about the last days because it's, you know, it can be condemning and it can be that we uh, avoid that topic. And I want to have that topic discussion with you. So I'm going to, uh, early in the next year, you know, uh, bring that and we're going to uh, do it in an informal setting so that we can discuss it actually, that we can talk about it. Because the latter is going to be greater than the former. But we must prepare ourselves. Because this nation is a pivotal, and listen to me here, this nation is a pivotal nation in the last days. If you don't believe it, I believe it. And this nation must be aligned to what God wants it to do. Okay. And the things that's happening now, even nationally, is uh, part of that puzzle piece. And that's why it's so important to pray for this nation at a time such as this. Okay? Because it's got a role to play in the last days. And I want to just trust that God will at least allow us to come in alignment with what He's doing now. Okay? We don't need to, to fight about how it's going to look in the future. So relax. But one thing that I do know is I want to be prepared. I want to, 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 us to start those conversations. So that God can um, be a prophetic um, church through us, or a, a prophetic voice through us as a church. Um, the last bit, and I'm, I'm ending off. How late is it now? Praise God, I've got time. Um, the last one is test prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29 to 33 says, Let two or three prophets speak. Okay? Um, so don't be arrogant. You're not the only voice. Um, there's many that can hear from God. And so, um, so God wants us to actually exercise this together and let the others weigh what He said. Okay, so let's, let's allow ourselves to be scrutinized even, not offended, as is happening so much in the church today as a whole, you know, where people get offended when you um, speak into their lives or trying to, uh, to correct them. But um, let's, let's get a culture going where we speak into one another's lives and help one another to get it right. Okay? If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the, spirit, the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Verse 36. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones um, it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and to, to uh, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So, last things. 
by the other present prophets, prophet, prophets <laughs> in verse 29, by the teaching of the apostles and the full word of God. Um, and then I want to say to you, um, the benefit of, of being in the prophetic means that uh, you and I can see the hand of God, that we can constantly move where His hand is moving, be under the cloud and the protection of His. God's protection moves with His will. And you and I, as we align ourselves, we are under the covering and the provision of God's will over our lives. And so, lives get transformed around us as we start to partner with God. And lastly, is that um, we find peace and contentment within ourselves in fulfilling the purposes of God through our lives. There's nothing as beautiful as when you and I can... Uh, can actually speak a prophetic word or do a prophetic action um, to somebody else next to us and we can see that it transforms and the lights go on. It brings contentment in our lives that we've added to their lives. And maybe you hear this morning and you feel, listen, it's difficult for me to share the gospel, you know, to go from Genesis to Revelations and, uh, and uh, lead somebody into, from Adam to... Um, to the Romans walk. It's difficult for me to, um, to share the gospel in such a way that people will receive it. But none of us have an excuse in just being obedient to what God is saying to us and see people's lives transformed. Are you with me this morning? You know what? Christ loves us enough that he wants to portray himself to this world. Let's just stand as we end off this morning. You know, I, I want you to, to be bold in this season. To trust God to, in your circumstances, start to rather speak to the dead bones in your life. All of us have dead bones lying around. You know, I even saw a picture this morning, and it might be for one of you, just a fire that's, um, that's here next to you. And the fire is burning, and it's as if you're not afraid of this fire. It's, it's strange, because the fire is not getting bigger. <laughs> but you've, you've become so used to this destructive thing that's next to you, and it, it, it's not the kind of fire that's in your belly that makes you, know, you to, uh, to leap with the promises of God. But it's a destructive fire that's, that you got so used to and it brings destruction in your life that you just started to live with this thing. And I just saw the picture of, of God this morning giving you a, um, a fire extinguisher and saying, listen, just put that thing down so that you can live your life without it destroying you the whole time. Don't be content in that thing touching and destroying your life all the time. And I want to say to you this morning,
He loves us. He loves us enough that He would come and extinguish those fires. But this morning He says to you, listen, it's not even something that you strive to be. Being prophetic is not a strive towards something. It's a surrender to something. It's a surrender to a God that loves you so much and loves the world around you so much that He would give His only begotten Son for it. It cost Him.